This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right, episode 51 of I Doubt It. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me is the venerable, is teasing me unmercifully, Brittany Page. Hello. Happy Sunday. Happy Labor Day. They'll, the, the audience will be listening to this Labor Day. Those dedicated, loyal listeners who listen as soon as an episode is available will listen to this on Labor Day. Well, then happy Labor Day. Happy fucking Labor Day, which I would guess 60 or 70% of the audience couldn't <laughs> couldn't describe exactly what Labor Day is for. Because it's pretty much a worthless holiday. Do you want to educate everybody then? Nope. Fuck them. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what Google's for. So take care of that yourselves. That's not what we're here for. That's right. So we like to start off the show talking about something that we've done recently or we've blah, blah, blah. And our intro is what we call it. Our intro topic, which is, you know, a little bit about us or whatever. You're giving away all the secrets of the I know. show. It's, they're learning how the sausage is made. Nobody wants to know how the sausage is made. Well, we were in Costco yesterday. And for those of you who don't have a Costco membership, like it's some secret handshake fucking club. Or maybe there's people that are listening that don't even know what Costco is because we have people out of the country. Are there Costco's all over the world? No, there's not. Okay. Costco is like Walmart times a thousand, except without the redneck ideology <laughs> behind the ownership. Because you have to pay to have a membership to get into the Costco to right. shop. It's, it's like a big box. That doesn't explain it either. It's a... It's a volume discount store. And yeah. You have a membership and you get premium products at a discount. Yeah. So anyway. if you're if you're looking to shop for one, Costco is not a good option for you. But if you're Mormon and have 12 kids. Right. If you're looking for a 12 ounce jar of mayonnaise. You can Co get it. Costco. Not at Costco. You can't. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You can get a three gallon tub. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Of mayonnaise. You can't get a 12-ounce jar of mayonnaise. No. But you can get everything else. It's well, you great. can probably get like four 12-ounce jars of mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's packaged together. Yeah. Anyway, that's what Costco is. I think the majority of everyone else of our audience who lives in the United States knows what Costco or Sam's Club or BJ's is. Well, we were at Costco yesterday, and Costco in Southern California, I believe, is a... You're already laughing. <laughs> I know. Costco in Southern California is an entity in and of itself. Oh, yeah, it, it is. It is different than any... I've been a Costco member since before the year 2000, so a long time, and I've never seen the weird shit that goes on like it does here. Yeah. It's... Well, first of all, it's a fucking crazy traffic jam, even inside the place. And I think part of that is what happens to me, at least when I go into Costco, is I start losing my mind at all the amazing deals. You know, I start, <laughs> right. I can get all different kinds of stuff for just $10. I can get all kinds of amazing, like 48 batteries for $10. All these things that I don't really need, but it's just $10. So why not throw it in the cart? I think that right. happens to everybody. So we're all in this giant warehouse losing our minds. It, it takes the, the discipline of a Shaolin monk <laughs> to walk out of there not spending at least $200. For sure. It's For sure it does. It, it is it's an well first of all, you are a madman if you go to Costco to purchase one item. Oh yeah. Cuz there isn't an express line. No. So you're waiting in line with people who are buying hundreds and hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars worth of items yeah. because small businesses you know, mom and pop type restaurants will go there and they'll buy some sugar and milk and things like that for their restaurant. They'll yeah. buy it there. So anyway, I think most people kind of get the gist of what, what Costco does and is. But the, the odd thing here in Southern California, and maybe this is just an Orange County thing, but the multiple uh, Costcos that we've been to here all have this shit happen. 
and it is sample fucking mania. Oh god! In the Costco's here, it's insane. It, it it's it's something they need to reel in the the, the madness that goes on. With the samples. Well, and it's weird because you think that the madness that's going on with each sample table throughout the store, the lines that are there, the amount of time people are waiting, how they're blocking everyone's way going yeah, through yeah. the store. Oh, they must be getting something amazing at the sample table. Yeah, but yeah. no, their excitement is over like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They have those pre... This is a real thing. This isn't something she's making up. They have these pre-cut frozen peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Uncrustables. Yeah, Uncrustables, right, which are kind of like Hot Pockets, except they're not hot. It's the Hot Pocket of peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Yeah, it's disgusting. Which is weird because the way that there's this mania and this fucking crazy, just a pile of people around this this table, you would think it was samples of rare beluga caviar. Yeah, or but, like lamb non. Yeah, yeah, right. Something delicious. Yeah. Sometimes it's not even that. It's just little nuggets of bagel that they've cut up. Yeah, bagel and cream cheese. And everyone stands Sometimes around. Sometimes not even cream cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's standing around blocking everybody else's way, eating these samples, acting like, oh, what do you call this again? This is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Mm, mm. this is very good. <laughs> like they've never had it before. Well, the other thing that really bothers me is that it's, it's oftentimes, you know, 80% of the people in the fray are standing there with empty carts. Yeah. So it's like they bring their family, let's go fill up on samples at the old Costco, <laughs> and then they're not really buying shit. They're yeah. just in the fucking way. Yeah, it's like bring your, your child to the restaurant and kids eat free day, you know. Yeah, it's or no, it's like going to the restaurant, getting the bread oh, yeah. before the meal, and then ditching out before you place your order. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. So it's it's a weird thing here. In Southern California. And it disrupts my Costco experience. It, it bums me out. Because first of all, you have to fight through the fucking traffic in the parking lot. Oh, God. Which, there, people will just ditch their car. We, we've gone back to our car and had multiple carts just abandoned in the front and in in the rear of the car. We're, I actually, we're boxed in. I actually watched someone do that. I saw him. He had his cart. He was pushing it. And he realized he couldn't get it through cars. So he just left it behind our car, picked up his stuff out of the cart, walked over to his car. Oh, the, thanks. I'll move that for you, I guess. Yeah, while we're right there. Yeah. <laughs> we're walk we have to deal with his abandoned bullshit. I think that's a Southern California thing, too. That level of being inconsiderate. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's... It's a very self-interested kind of thing that goes on here. Yeah. Where someone will look you straight in the eye in traffic or otherwise and like, hey, yeah, fuck you. I'm more important. The thing I've got going on is far more important than what you've got going on. Yeah. So if you're thinking of moving to Orange County, just don't. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Unless you're you're off in some more rural area. And there are some rural areas of the county, but where we are... Close to the beach, it's fucking nightmare. Yeah. So that's that's it. I guess hey, let's do this. Let's make a call to the audience. If you have a particular nightmarish Costco story, we definitely want to hear it. And in concert with that, we got a call from listener Todd, who wanted to chime in on the dumb shit that he believed as a child up until... A relatively late age. Hello, this is Todd, and uh, I've been wanting to call in for some time. Um, I am definitely one of the listeners who, every time the show comes on, I listen right a fucking way. So, when you guys are talking about stories, when I was a little kid, my I used to love coffee, and I would always, and it was, you know, I drink coffee like all the time now, but I drink coffee with just a little cream and a little and a little bit of honey. But when I was a kid, I used to drink it like Brittany drinks it. So lots of sugar and lots of cream and just a little bit of coffee. And my grandma, she was trying to figure out a way to swear me off of it, and she always ate black licorice. So she had my uncle, who is, is this big fat dude, he is sitting in a chair, and he says, hey, Doc, I want to show you something. 
So I go cruising over there, and I had to have been probably six or seven at the time. So I cruise over, and he pulls up his shirt, and his stomach is fucking black. And I'm fucking talking like tar was all over that. I just fucking stood there in amazement, just looking at him going, what the fuck? And so he said, this is what happens, you know, if you drink too much coffee. You really need to stop doing it, Todd. And until I was about 13 years old, until Grandma fucking sat me down and said, Todd, that was black licorice, which (laughs) we had a good fucking chuckle about. But the whole time, I thought that fucking coffee turned your stomach black. So <laughs> there's my story. Very funny. That's insane. That would be, that almost seems traumatizing. Well, the other funny thing I think is that he shits on you for how you drink your coffee. Yeah, how dare you, Tom? <laughs> well, uh, I want to let everybody know that was a, a much, much longer uh, message that I had to abridge. Uh, I want to let everybody know, once again, our voicemail system only allows three minutes of recording. So... If you leave us, his message was twofold. The other part of it dealt with something else, but he got to the, the other part, and I thought that was more poignant for the show, so I kind of I chopped it up. But if you're going to leave a message, either call twice and leave two messages, which I'm totally okay. Fuck, you can leave five messages. I'm totally okay. Yeah. I'll wade through it, and I'll do the editing, but because I'm not going to leave nine minutes of fucking some voicemail of nine minutes rambling on in some pot-fueled haze yeah. about whatever. Not, I'm not saying Todd had a pot-fueled haze there. I don't know. But uh, I will I will make it work. So we definitely want you to call um, knowing that it's only three minutes at a shot. So Yeah, I think one interesting thing that we're finding regarding all these stories about what kids were told by their parents or just grew up believing is that parents don't really care about telling their kids the truth as long as they can get some kind of result from them. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't matter at all what they're telling their kids as long as they get them to stop doing something I, well, or to do something. It's kind of that the the means the, the ends justify the means. Yeah. Whatever, whatever course of action you need to take... As long as it ends up positive, and it's kind of like you know, you know, we've talked about this week. We've talked about other things that parents do to their kids, and I know I'll be stepping on toes. In fact, I know I'm going to be stepping on toes here. But I think it's odd when parents teach their kids about Santa Claus. Yeah, I. I that never has set well with me. Yeah, I think it's odd, too. Um, and like I said, I know I'm going to be shitting on people, and I, I don't mean that you're a bad parent or that you... I, I just think it's weird. I, it, it never set well with me. Um, maybe it's because I always kind of knew there wasn't a Santa Claus. We played along because we had family who were steeped in the lore of Santa. Yeah. In fact, my little brother fucking spilled the beans in a malicious way to our group of of very close cousins. They were almost like our sisters. And my little brother maliciously fucking just in a shitty way did it because he knew it was going to fuck them up. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to my life. Wow. So, but I always thought it was weird. And, you know, I've heard stories of... Of of parents going to spill the you know hey, okay we're gonna we're gonna level with them hey we were just fucking fooling you that whole time for years we were lying to you that whole time totally making shit up there is no Santa um and I've heard of adverse reactions in fact I know of one story where the family they had two sons they w- went to tell them both at the same time they're different ages the older one took it well and the younger one fucking nope didn't (laughs) wasn't down at all with what was happening and they had to kind of back out of it and oh we're just teasing or i don't know how i don't remember exactly how they got out of it but it was a like almost a traumatic thing for the kid wow who's a super sweetheart emotional he's like me very you know his 
his heart's on his sleeve and it, it bummed him out. Yeah, so. I remember when I found out Santa wasn't real because my parents also invested a lot of time in that in lie. The, in the Santa lore. Let's let's call it lore. Yeah, which is funny because they spent so much time on things like that, but then, you know, not enough time right. on other things. On the important shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> like having a steady job and, and, and things like that. But um, so I found out that Santa wasn't real. I was jumping on a couch that we had in the garage and just playing and having a good time like a kid does. And I peeked behind the couch and there was a trash bag and there was like a red suit with white lining on it. And I picked up the bag and the Santa suit fell out of it. And I just started crying. I couldn't even believe that I had been tricked this whole time because my parents would wake us up on Christmas morning and. And my mom would take like us downstairs. Early, early, right? Yeah, and she'd be like, be real quiet, take us downstairs. And my dad would be filling our stockings, laughing, ho, ho, ho. And it was magical. It was like an out-of-body experience, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And I all bet. that all that was a lie. It's like, what's wrong with you people? What are and you then doing? When you found out, what was his reaction? Uh, he told me to shut up and get over it. Right. That's it. <laughs> and I that's pretty fitting for how things went, but you know. Fuck. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not shitting on it, but it's it, it's always been a little weird to me. And it just fits in with the whole God thing, too, it, the way punishments go, you know, rewarding you for being good. If you're bad, you get punished. Yeah. Very much like God. And we're actually going to talk about a study that fits in with that later oh, yeah, in the show. That's, coincidentally, so we are. Yeah. The other bit, bit of listener communication, if you will, is another little note from Burt Reynolds. I love the fucking name. Yeah, it's Seriously. awesome. Well, Even though it's not his real name, right? Did he say that? It's not. He says that he got burnt by a 50 cal round. Uh, he was in the army, uh, the army infantry, and he got burned when a when a shell gets ejected from a machine gun uh, of almost any caliber. It's fucking piping hot. Oh, and so he, he like got hit in the face with yeah, one. Yeah, so it hit. It must have hit him from the ejection port and fucking burned his face. Oh wow! So he they are they called him burnt from then on, and <laughs> he says burnt Reynolds. It just it, it works really well, so he goes by burnt Reynolds. Yeah. So anyway, he he left a long message. If you'd like to read the message, it's um, on Dollamore dot com on the episode fifty. There's. I have a WordPress theme on my website, and there's a section there that you can leave comments on every single po- uh, podcast post. So he, he has been taking advantage of that rather than the Facebook page, which is totally fine. He's just kind of – he's the the lone man, <laughs> as it were, uh, on the site. So he said a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of good stuff, very funny stuff. And then he did answer – he asked one question at the end that I wanted to answer. He says, where do you stand politically using only one of the general terms? And then parenthetically, he says, liberal, libertarian, Republican, etc. Uh, let's not turn this into something about how special of a one of a kind flower you are and how you're different than everyone else. I wow. kind of like this guy's attitude. Yeah, he's straight to the point. Super prickish. I'm taking I like care it. of biz. <laughs> um, and then he also, as a postscript... As one of many postscripts says, dick punch for no reason. Uh, I will say this, Burt Reynolds. Uh, I am not special. I am not uh, some unique snowflake. Uh, I, I think I would subscribe to libertarianism if I was going to have to pick a party. It would be soft libertarian because I don't believe all drugs should be legalized. There's a lot of ideological crazy shit that i think the libertarian party believes that i I can't subscribe to but generally i would be i'm i'm a little l libertarian not a big l so i'm not a party member but i do generally subscribe to libertarian thought does he want an answer from me too he i believe this was only uh, geared toward me but i would like an answer well we all know what it is Don't we? Go ahead. Let's get it out in the open. Conservative. No, <laughs> no, no I'm kidding. Whatever. It would obviously be liberal if I had to choose a title. Yeah. Brittany is a liberal. Okay. No, if I had to choose, because t- I am special and I am a one of a kind flower. Well, in your in your Facebook profile, which is, it's the law. It's the gospel. Someone's Facebook profile. Right. Whatever they say there. 
it says more more of a lefty than a righty. Is that not right? Yes. Or is that not correct? Yeah, more of a lefty than a righty. Yeah. But that doesn't mean left. I don't have liberal on my yeah. my profile. Well, I'm weird, and you know, I don't want to keep going on in this this manner that would make me seem like some precious snowflake. But I do believe that, like my stance on gay marriage, I don't believe that's a liberal stance. I believe that's a rational stance. All the science leads us to the point that it's a genetic thing. You're born that way. So why can't they also marry? That That's not liberal. That's not conservative. That's fucking common goddamn sense. Yeah, but it's used as a barometer to kind of decide where you fall. If you believe a certain yeah, way, that's then what it I mean. indicates in, your... Incorrectly so, I think it's a barometer. I mean, in your typical, you know, obviously, you've got your, your rejects like... Uh, Paul Ryan, who's going to be against it. Mitt yeah. Romney, who used to be for it and now is against it. Probably that, used to be for it and then now is against Right, right. <laughs> a couple of times. You could say that five times. You're Huckabee. You're, you're guys who are led around by the collar of their religion. Yeah. Led around by their own collar, by their religions. Yeah. <laughs> guys like that, that's a, they consider that a conservative stance. Yeah. But it's like I've said... The division between liberalism and conservatism is like a clock. You've got at the top, you've got your 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 mid mid road conservatives, and it goes all the way. We're going down from the twelve down to the six, and it gets more wild and wacky. And same with the Democrats, and they get super crazy liberal down to the six, heading the other way from twelve to eleven to ten nine down that way, where the wild conservatives and the wild liberals kind of meet in the middle down at the six. Yeah. So. Well, we're going to see gay marriage go the way of, you know, like women's suffrage, where that yeah. probably used to be a pretty divisive issue, but now everyone can pretty much agree. And eventually gay marriage will be like that too. It was this contentious thing where you fell on the different sides, but eventually it's just going to be common sense. I yeah. mean, it's not something to argue over. No. We're not going to get into this right now, but I just remembered this is something we were going to talk about, and then we didn't set it up on the rundown. But just this last week, a, a federal judge in Utah struck down part of the state law that prohibited cohabitation and part of the polygamy law. So, like I called it, I don't want to be a fucking O'Reilly here, who, oh, I said it was happening, or a Rush Limbaugh, but... I do think it's the next thing to tumble. It's going to be the polygamy prohibition, and it's already starting to happen as a direct result, I believe, of gay marriage getting passed. And I don't think that's a bad thing as long as they're not defrauding the fucking system. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. We're still not going <laughs> to. It's tempting as it is. We're not going to do that. The other thing, and we're going to we're going to get off of a uh, of Burt Reynolds is he had a little message for you. Apparently, he digs tall chicks. Yeah, apparently. And he offered his hand in marriage or begged for yours in a flippant way, but fine. Yeah, yeah, it was cute. And thank you for that. You, but you're not going to expound someone, on it at all? Someone already, someone already beat you to the punch. Yeah. So, but I'll accept all the proposals I can get. You know, that'll that's nice. She has a trophy case of proposals. Yeah. <laughs> but she already actually is engaged, so. Yes. So moving on, a little follow-up. A second flight has been diverted because of a conflict over someone who would not or was not able to recline their seat. Well, in Wednesday night's incident, passenger Edmund Alexander became upset after a woman reclined the seat in front of him. <laughs> this was on a flight, an American Airlines flight, going from Miami to Paris, and it had to divert to Boston. Wow. And this man, he's from Paris, and he continued to be disruptive when the flight crew tried to, you know, calm him and tell him, listen, she just reclined her seat. It's going to be okay. And two undercover federal air marshals on the flight had to subdue him wow. and handcuff him. And so little Frenchie got pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. And it turned into a bit of a sitch, it sounds like. So Massachusetts State Police arrested him when they diverted the plane and it landed in Boston at around 10 p.m. He was taken to a hospital for observation and treatment <laughs> of a pre-existing health issue. Oh, oh I so thought I'm, it was psychological. Yeah. He told authorities he had a high blood pressure and diabetes. And that's so. what caused him to be a dirty, 
angry, dickish Frenchman. I am not sure, but he was charged <laughs> with interfering with a flight crew and was arraigned at the hospital on Thursday. Wow. Does that, does that work like that? That is what we call efficiency. Yeah. So a judge approved his release from custody, and that's until his December hearing. So did I guess him, he'll have to come back. Or did they let him fly on to good old Perry? It doesn't say anything about that. Huh. Weird. Well, fuck that guy. Who cares if he doesn't come back? Just don't let him come back. Jerk off. Listen, if she bought her... We're not going to get into this again, but she paid for her ticket just like you did, asshole. So... Yeah, calm calm your bones. Calm it down. So this is at the point in the show where I talk to you about the Amazon.com link, which is on dollamore.com. If you're going to buy a book or if you're going to go on before you fly internationally and buy one of those those neck pillows, that is where you do it. And every little purchase goes a long, long way to supporting your favorite twice-weekly podcast about news, 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 politics, current events, society and culture, and good old goddamn comedy. (laughs) Nice. Right? Yeah. I try to explain every once in a while, it'll come up in conversation with someone. What do you do? Oh, I host a podcast. And well, what's it about? And it's it's so I don't want to say just news and, and politics because that's so fucking boring. It's terrible. Yeah. So I no one to, cares about that. It, well, I, I end up seeming like I'm selling some kind of a multi a Amway or something, some multi-level yeah. marketing scheme because I can't just say it. It's like, what do you do? Oh, I work in a warehouse. I can't just say, oh, I hoax a podcast. Oh, what's it about? news that's just that's boring to me i want to expound upon it yeah i want to sell it you know yeah i want you to do that too get on (laughs) it one more little piece of follow-up just one more and i think this is a good one this goes out to sean in missouri who is not a fan of cussing he was not a fan of my mouth or the rate with which you cuss that's right my dirty filthy mouth well Initially, he thought I thought it would make me sound cool if I used the word fuck. (laughs) It's super cool. So, I mean, I get it. There's multiple pieces of research that have been compounded about that very thing. And it's kind of an alternative view on cursing. Yeah. Vox did this article, Mm VOX.com. And they had five points regarding things that scientists have discovered about swearing. And the first one is that swearing seems to be getting more common over time. Hmm. This one obviously makes sense. At least it seems more common because, you know, of lax rules for what is allowed on TV and things like that. Societal standards shift over time. Yeah. Yeah. So Kirsten Jay, a psychologist at Marist College, collected data on public swearing. And she says, on the whole, it seems to be getting more common. She asked a group of American adults to rigorously record every time they heard a swear word in public for an entire year and then they compared that data to data from 1986 and they found an increase in every single word except for it looks like ass stayed the same but didn't increase at all no but the f word is the most popular word of course it is so if you're going off of jesse d it's a thing of fucking beauty everybody yeah exactly (laughs) And they did caution from reading too deeply into these findings, um, especially on the individual word level, because the volunteers might not have perfectly recorded every curse word they heard. And also the subjects were clustered in New England and Southern California. So just to note, everybody, this is how you know when a scientific study is reported well in the media. When they talk about the study's limitations, those are what those things are. Yeah. The location of the participants only two different areas and also you know they talk about how they might not have heard all the cuss words so they talk about the limitations if you're reading an article and it doesn't talk about limitations of the study probably not reported very well i would like as a side note to record for the record i'd like the record to duly to to be duly noted that uh bill o'reilly went to marist college oh he did that's where he got his undergraduate yeah where is it located yeah, New York somewhere. Is it a good school or I had never heard of it? I think it's a small liberal arts college. Oh, okay. 
Uh, that's exactly right. I just Wikipedia it. Marist College is a private liberal arts college on the east bank of the Hudson River in Poughkeepsie, New York, where also Vassar is also located, is in Poughkeepsie. Huh. Little little geography lesson and a little lesson on colleges for you. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay, so the second point in the article is that swearing can be socially useful, but it can also backfire. Studies have found that in certain contexts, obscenities can make a speaker seem more persuasive and more intense. When asked to consider their own speech, people tend to think that swearing makes them seem less credible. But when reading the statements of both suspects and victims in a hypothetical trial, they actually rate people who swear as more credible. That's very weird. So it's kind of interesting. We have a negative perception of swearing mm, of ourselves. Speak for yourself. But then when we hear <laughs> others say it, it seems more persuasive, more intense, more credible. Yeah. But apparently not for Sean. Well, not for me either. I don't... Well, like I told Sean, I don't curse because... Well, for for this show's purposes, listen, if I bump into a lady in my local Albertsons, my local grocery store, I'm not going to be dropping the F-bomb because I don't know her. There's no familiarity there. I'm just not going to do that because that's not socially acceptable. But you have to go and track me down to listen to me say fuck. You don't, it's not like you just flip on your radio and there's my dumbass voice blasting obscenities at you. Yeah. I'm, I, I have to be tracked down to be listened to. So I can do what I want here. Yeah. That's the beauty of this medium. This isn't terrestrial radio where I have to toe the line. I can do whatever I want. One time I think I should do a show where I don't curse. Yeah. And see how that goes. That maybe, would be may, a good experiment. Maybe episode 52 will do that. Yeah. That'll be a good exercise for you. Yeah, an so exercise. kind of, kind of to that point, <laughs> they have also found that swearing is used to build camaraderie and it can signal intimacy and build rapport in office settings as well. And then also, just like you said, there's a right and wrong time to swear. And studies have found that people do rate a swearer as less competent when he or she swears in formal settings like speeches instead of a more yeah. casual social well, situation. Listen, I want this to be known and th this goes out like if Sean listening um maybe i'll shoot him an email and let him know we talked about it again but we i'm not a guy I, i'm a guy who will get up in your face if you are using the f word in a public setting where it's not a pro if you're at a bar and you're dropping the f-bomb i don't fucking care if you're in a restaurant where there's families multiple times and i have friends who curse like i do but who don't curb it in those type of settings. And, and I'll it, tell you right now, Jesse will lose it if you do that. No, I, well, I will, like with my friends, I for sure like, hey man, come on. I'm, I'm for sure the guy who is monitoring what language is being used. Yeah, I'm being hyperbolic when I say that you say lose it. I mean, you get angry when people are cussing in front of kids in like restaurants and things like that. I, well, we almost had an altercation at our local yard house, which is a restaurant here on Newport Boulevard here here in the area and there were kids in the restaurant we're sitting at the bar which is right in, in the, a restaurant right in the middle of the restaurant and these guys keep talking fuck this fuck that that motherfucker and i multiple times told them to calm down and then they started getting shitty with me and the manager had to come over and settle the situation or there was going to be blows rained down on this little douchebag's head. Well, if they had said some cuss words while you were punching their heads in, it could have reduced their pain because that's point number three. All right. Well, going on. Point number three. Yeah. So in a 2009 experiment, Richard Stevens, a psychologist at Keele University in the UK, had 67 people submerge their hands in a bucket of ice water for as long as possible while either repeating a swear word of their choice or a control word. And the most popular swear words were F and S. And fucking shit. Yeah. Okay. And the swearers tolerated the freezing water for significantly longer than the control group and rated the pain as less severe. And you see these studies all the time. Th this is very funny. I can't believe you're not get getting to the recent thing you shared on Facebook, which also involves cursing British people and ice water. Oh. The little girl. Yeah, the best ice bucket <laughs> challenge ever. We need to put that on the Facebook page. 
there's a little girl, a little British girl. I think they say she's three years old. Yeah, she's the, the cutest little thing in the world. And she wants to try out the, 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 the ALS ice bucket challenge. So they dump the water on her. She gets up and she's, ah, fucking hell. Yeah. I can't even do it, but <laughs> I, I would have to get Brittany to do her Harry Potter voice. Yeah. But it's, she says, ah, fucking hell. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> cute. It's adorable. I've never heard. I have never heard the F word used so adorably. Yeah, it was very precious. By anyone other than myself, I mean. Right. right. So they consistently find this kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the fourth point is swearing can make you sweaty. Okay, no one cares about that. We'll post this article if you care about that. You can go read it. And then point number five, some neurological disorders can affect swearing. And, you know... Like Tourette's. And... Tourette's, yeah, and aphasia, which is, you know, loss of language. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's where you educate me and the audience. Aphasia. So, speaking of kids and cursing kids or whatever, uh, we're going to talk about a study that talks about negative and positive reinforcement related to children's honesty. Kind of like what you, you mentioned earlier. You teased it a little earlier when we were talking about the Santa Claus thing. Yeah. Or... Was it the Santa Claus thing? Yeah, Santa okay, Claus. Yeah. So psychologist Kang Lee of University of Toronto wanted to find out what's better for molding children's behaviors, tales about virtue rewarded or misbehavior punished. And his research was published in June in the Journal of Psychological Science. So the study was kind of interesting because I love studies where kids are involved because they're so fascinating. And what they did was... They devised a scenario where they tempted children to lie. They brought the kids into a room. They sat with their backs to an unseen toy on the table behind them. They couldn't see it. And an experimenter played a sound asso associated associated with the toy. So if it was a rubber ducky, they would quack. If it was, you know, a plastic dog, they would bark. Sure. And ask the child to guess the identity. If they guessed correctly, then they would get a prize, right? Okay. You win, win, win. Yeah. And after a few rounds, the experimenter would put a different toy on the table, tell the child, hey, don't look at that toy on the table behind you. God damn. Can and you then, imagine the anxiety that would fill a child? <laughs> yeah. And these are three to seven-year-olds. Oh, yeah. Dirty, yeah. filthy little liars. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, and they have no patience. They can't not right. look at the right. toy behind them. Come right. on. So they would... The experimenter would then leave the room after telling the kid, don't peek. A few minutes later, they would return and read aloud one of four classic children's stories and ask the child whether or not they peeked after they heard the story. And, of course, unbeknownst to the kids, there was a hidden camera right. that showed the experimenter if they peeked or not. Because not only are three to seven-year-olds little liars, they're also fucking dumb. <laughs> Yeah, they don't understand why they're there, or what's going on. So the kids who heard the tortoise and the hare, which isn't about honesty, um, it was used just for a baseline for the comparisons, told the truth about peaking roughly 30% of the time. 30%. That number barely changed if they heard Pinocchio, which is obviously a story about lying about where lying, something right. negative happens. Right, right. Your nose grows and you become a freak of nature. <laughs> And then the rate rose right. a little bit, five percentage points to 35% after they heard the boy who cried wolf. So again, a negative consequence. Yeah. It, to how much? 35%? Yeah. So okay. just it rose five points, five right. percentage points. And finally, the last story, if they had heard the story of George Washington and the cherry tree, 48% told Wh the truth. Which for our... Or uh, international listeners who might not know the story of George Washington, the first president of the United States, there's a fable that's told about him um, that he was he chopped a cherry tree down as a child and was asked by his parents, did you chop the cherry tree down? And he his reply to them was, I cannot tell a lie. Yeah, I did. And yeah. so he was, you know, he's like an honest guy and, you know, the founder of our country. And... He 
so anyway, I just wanted to let the international listeners have a little insight into what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, sorry about that. But and so that Washington tale, it's about virtue rewarded rather than misbehavior punished. And so the kids. So what's the percentage of the kids who heard that story? 48%. 48? Yeah, so it jumped from 35 to 48%. It went from 30 to 35 to 48. Yeah. That's, that is a remarkable difference. Yeah. It makes you wonder, now I'm getting off the kids thing, kind of, but it makes you wonder the tales of hell, the the punishment aspects of religion, if there was a more positive thing, you know, yeah. if what the difference would be relative to recruitment, the recruitment effort of religion. Yeah, well, and maybe that's why religions are starting to move away from the hell aspect Christianity a lot of people interpret it differently and they only talk about being rewarded in heaven oh right like the prosperity movement within Christianity yeah yeah and so maybe that's kind of a sign but so Joel Osteen he he's got his shit together he knows where the message should be pointed yeah yeah at the cash <laughs> right so the researcher who did this said his findings surprised him and that the results fit with his earlier findings that asking children to promise honesty is more effective than explaining why it's so terrible to lie. He says that positive messaging is a better way of promoting moral behaviors. You're telling kids what is expected and what they need to do. Instead of focusing on consequences, you're focusing on the act itself. And then again, this is how you know that reporting is done right. In an article, they say, more research is necessary to replicate the findings and be sure of the effect. Future studies might also explore whether and when negative messages finally start to work. Yeah. So those are good. Those are good tips. He also says that he wants more research into honesty and that he hopes people who read about this research will research honesty. Uh, Who is the researcher? Again, so if anybody wants to look this up on their own. Psychologist Kang Lee of the University of Toronto. Right. Or if you're from Toronto, you pronounce it Toronto. Yeah. (laughs) But... No, not a lot of Americans would know that. I am not, so I don't. <laughs> All right, moving right along to something a little bit more serious and something I am passionate about. Hopefully, Antho L, the Yelp proselytizer, still listens to the show, although I find that wholly, wholly unlikely. Um, Obama stepped on his dick this week. Uh, wearing his tan suit that Congressman Peter King thought was unprofessional, which I think is stupid. But Obama, I was going to say all but admitted that we don't have a strategy or that he doesn't believe we have a strategy to deal with ISIS. But to say that he all but did it would be incorrect because he for sure did it. I have consulted with Congress throughout this process. Uh, I am confident that as Commander-in-Chief I have the authorities to engage in the acts that we are conducting currently. Uh, As our strategy develops, we will continue to consult with Congress, and I do think that it will be important for Congress to weigh in. Uh, But I don't want to put the cart before the horse. We don't have a strategy yet. Let me explain why this is a problem. President Obama is arguably the most powerful man on the planet, and Supposed at, to be the most powerful man on the planet. The office of the presidency is the most powerful office in the land. On our on God's green earth. <laughs> and for him to say, because I don't believe it's true, knowing what I... The little that I know about the military, the little that I know about the Pentagon and how they run, we do... The, the military have several strategies to deal with any one global issue militarily. We have strategies that are simply and strictly humanitarian. So for the president to say, well, we don't have a strategy is it's wrong and it's fucking dangerous, not only for the world, but specifically for the United States and its citizens. We definitely have multiple strategies. It's that he hasn't fucking chosen one yet because he, I I was talking to Brittany about this this week, our president and, you know, full disclosure, I didn't vote for him either time. I think he's a abject fucking failure as a president. But I was telling Brittany that I think it's odd. It's either 
Obama is a complete and utter fucking coward, or he has this odd Pollyanna view of the world and the dangers that ISIS actually pose to the rest of the world. Yeah. Because this isn't this isn't just a regional threat. They don't pose just a threat to Iraq and Syria and to the the geographical area that they want to create this caliphate. It's no. not. That's not what they do. Uh, uh, ISIS commanders, leadership within the organization, have gone on record, on camera, as saying, we will raise the flag of ISIS in the White House. And this isn't a group that fucking jokes around. They saw the heads off of innocent journalists, not military combatants, not people with an agenda relative to snuffing them out, not violent adversaries, innocent, peaceful journalists. They tie the hands up and saw violently at their necks until their heads come off. Well, and this is another thing where it's a liberal versus conservative kind of view. And this is something that conservatives tend to get right, is that they don't take these things lightly. They will go to war and take care of biz, get things done. Right? Well, it, absolutely. But it, it, this I don't even look at this from a conservative standpoint. I look at this from a, a completely realist standpoint. I, I, I get in my mind, I have this weird thing in my head that Obama actually thinks that you can negotiate with these fucking monsters. Well, and that's what I mean. It's it's irrational to think that you can negotiate. And maybe, I mean, we don't know what he thinks, but it's typically this conservative versus liberal thing that we were talking about earlier with the gay marriage but you said gay marriage is just the rational view i mean right. that's just what should happen well rationally we should just we we need to take care of isis this is a serious thing we need to be handling it right. it needs to be handled now but that's not happening well the other difficulty is that obama and i find this a problem with um listen if you're going to be a president with zero military background and zero military education and zero military experience then you need to defer to your commander's knowledge. You need to conf you need to defer and confer with your generals and your leadership in the Pentagon. And he's clearly not doing that because if he were, he would understand the threat and know that there are multiple scenarios with which we could be dispensing with ISIS. And it doesn't mean airstrikes. No war has ever been won with solely the use of air power, ever. Boots on the ground are always necessary, always, to secure the land and to keep the your combatants, your enemy, at bay. To take care of biz, if you, you will. Fucking, you're goddamn right. And uh, Obama is a an abject disappointment in the foreign policy arena, it's it's a bummer. I mean, we would be better off, and this is saying something for me, we would be far better off with John Kerry at the helm than with Obama, who is, in a grandiose way, fucking it up. Because he's putting every single one of us at risk. If you think that these British men and these Americans and these Australians who are over there fighting for ISIS, who have valid and active passports in their own countries, if you think they don't have the balls to use their passports to fly the United States and carry out some kind of horrific terrorist attack like we saw on 9-11, then you're fucking naive and you're also a danger to this country. Because well, that attitude, that prevalent, that prevalent attitude, is it's dangerous in this climate. Well, and also, you know, actions speak louder than words. So if you kind of scoffed at the fact that they said they're going to raise the flag in the United States uh, White House, then believe them when they cut someone's head off on video. Believe them when they do something that backs up what they said. One of my Facebook friends uh, posted something about, um, he said, remember how surprised and horrified we were on 9-11-2001? I do. Now we have a ruthless enemy gathering forces, resources, and power at a breakneck speed, credible warnings of imminent threats coming from multiple sources, and a president with no strategy. Happy Saturday, everybody. 
And I replied, and I said, Obama loyalists can jockey for position and explain away his many, many gaffes. This particular danger we face is greater and more eminently threatening than we've faced. ISIS and their ilk make Osama bin Laden look like Mr. Rogers. Leaders within the group have already vowed to, like I already said, raise the flag of ISIS in the White House. These freaks mean business, and they can't be negotiated with. We must act with decisive, violent action today. And I don't back away from that. I know everybody wants to love peace because it is a wonderful thing. But there are times in this scary world in which we live that peace is not an option. And this is one of those times. They need to be fucking dealt with, with the awe, the awe-inspiring might and overwhelming power of the United States military. Because that is the only way. We don't necessarily have to turn that entire area into a parking lot, but we could certainly extinguish them with extreme prejudice. And that is all I have to say about that. A bam. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little intense. That was good, I think. Yeah, well, we'll see. So moving on to something a little bit lighter, another leader, uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, recently admitted that he fucked it up. Yes, he says, I didn't get it right. Simply put, we have to do better. We allowed our standards to fall below where they should be and lost an important opportunity to emphasize our strong stance on a critical issue and the effective programs we have in place. My disciplinary decision led the public to question our sincerity, our commitment, and whether we understood the toll that domestic violence inflicts on so many families. I take responsibility both for the decision and for ensuring that our actions in the future properly reflect our values. It's awesome. So what he did is he changed the policy from a first-time domestic violence conviction is a six-week ban from the league, which six games. That's there's a it's a sixteen-game season, so that's six. That's that's quite a bit. Yeah. And for a second conviction, a lifetime ban. You are fired forever, which that's a big deal. I think that might even be a little harsh. I think a two-year ban out of the league, which you know, in this in the span of a, a guy's career, two years could be the difference between his prime and his his geriatric time. I mean, it's yeah, it's a dangerous, violent sport that ruins people's bodies. Two years is a big deal. Yeah. So, anyway, thanks to Roger Goodell, good for him, and also good for him for being a man about it. And I don't mean a man with balls. I mean he was a grown up about it. He was a grown man about it. If he was a woman, he would have been a woman about it. Goddamn, why am I explaining right, myself? What's going on I'm right now? You're Jesse fucking, D. Yeah, I'm Jesse D. Yeah, I don't let's need stop that. All right. So he was a man about it, and he said, I was wrong. And that's, I think that is super admirable. Maybe Obama could take a page out of his fucking playbook, huh? No pun intended, since he's the NFL commissioner. <laughs> Here we are. Another Florida Files. May Mayor John Reese of Winter Garden, Florida, had a man escorted out by police of a county commissioner meeting or a city meeting for not participating in prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance. Yes, he said, I said either stand or go in the hallway, and he wouldn't, so... He says it wasn't premeditated. I just reacted. It hit me. I said it. I gave an. I gave him an option. Life will go on. And we actually have the audio of what went down because the dude who got escorted out by police was recording uh, the whole thing. Yes. Please rise to the invitation. Followed by the pledge of allegiance to the flag of our country. Wait, wait for everyone to rise. So are you waiting for me? Yes, sir. I, I don't have to. Well, we please appreciate you being advised, or you may leave the room, please, to the prayer or the pledge of allegiance to I, I don't believe I have to do that. Thank you. I believe you have the prayer, or you will probably do the pledge of allegiance. Go ahead, sir. You can bow your heads with me, please. Uh, Father, we thank you for bringing us together tonight. We thank you for the gift of life, the gift of friendship, and the gift of community. We ask that you be with us today as we make decisions that guide our city for the future. We ask that you bless all of our employees and our residents and our businesses in the city of Warner Garden. And we know that any time in our lives when we 
experience the stress. It's a severe way of bringing us closer to you, and we thank you for allowing us to be in a country where we're free to, uh, we're free to believe and, and, and uh, think and pray uh, that we can and be together here in public. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now, sir, please stand while we do the pledge. You're not to pledge, but please stand. Children have to in school, too. Yes, and they don't yes, have to either. I, under- I understand, sir. You have one of two choices, sir. You may please stand for the pledge. You don't have to say it, but please stand. I'm, I don't have to do that. Okay. Stand so here. Asking to either stand or please, please escort him out to get through the pledge. Yes, it's just not fair to our troops and people overseas, sir. I say, what do you want to go? I'll understand the relief. Okay. Thank you. So is all that at the end him forcibly being removed? Well, I, no. I, I, let's be honest and be reasonable about it. I don't want to just make salacious. It's The dude has a recorder, and I think it's... Well, that's why I'm asking. I don't think because that's a, what it sounds like. I don't think like. he's being violently removed. It's he could be, but I don't know. I think it's just his recorder brushing up against his shirt or his his backpack or whatever. Okay, so first things first. This is a city commission meeting. Okay. Yeah. And this is Mayor John Rees, and he said that he considered the man's refusal to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance to be disrespectful to American military troops who are serving overseas and others who have given their lives in defense of freedom. Which now, is when I bullshit. read this, yeah. it made me laugh because I said, "You mean like the freedom to not stand for the pledge?" That's exactly right. It's well. First of all, I tell you what, we're going to get this right out of the way. If you would like to comment. Leave uh, an email or call or write a letter to uh, the Honorable Mayor John Reese. His address is P.O. Box 1161 Winter Garden, Florida 34777. Once again, that's Box 1161 Winter Garden, Florida 34777. His phone number, for those of you who would like to dial him on up, 407-656-7372. And his email address is J-R-E-E-S, J-R-E-E-S, at wintergarden-fl.gov. J-R-E-E-S, as in Sierra, at wintergarden-fl.gov. And we will definitely put that information on the Facebook page so you can use it as liberally as you would like because he needs to be dealt with. And he actually talks about how, you know, even students are required to stand for the pledge. And, you know, that's not true. Not true. In Um, fact, it's federally held. There, there have been federal rulings that said students don't have to not only give the ple- pledge, they don't even have to stand for the pledge. Yeah, it actually, a notable one in Florida that led to a federal appeals court to rule that it was unconstitutional to force students to recite or even stand at attention for the pledge. And this is a man in a position of authority over an entire city. Yeah, so Freedom From Religion Foundation is going to be sitting in on the next meeting. Yeah. And has emailed him asking him to issue a correction in the next meeting saying that people can, you know, not stand for the pledge and not stand for prayers to Jesus Christ before the city committee meeting. Right. Well, this is this is the problem is that we do have equal protection under the law and we do have a separation of church and state where the the city cannot endorse one faith over another and by having a man stand and give a prayer and say in the name of Jesus Christ we ask you these things lord invisible being in the sky we ask you these things that that's endorsing one faith over another and it's look if 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 you got if you get a guy in there why don't they get a guy on his little flying carpet doing his alao akbar bullshit of course they wouldn't do that because that would be disrespectful to the troops who have given their lives, blah, 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 blah. This country, these types of laws and these types of things are set up not to protect you, the Christian. They're set up to protect 
the people who are outside of the majority. They're not set up to protect the majority. I know we talk about that all the time, but it doesn't stop being any more true. And the fact that this guy is the mayor of a city and has as little understanding of our constitution, it's appalling. It's sad is what it is. I mean, it's it's in lockstep with what we would expect out of Florida. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, yeah, but it's Florida. Yeah, it's the Florida files. So anyway, once again, we're going to put that information on the website, on the Facebook page. We would encourage you with as much vigor as we have in us to contact him, to shoot him an email, to say something about how uh, he is wrong. Very wrong. So I guess we're going to wrap it up with... Taking Care of Biz. Little, little Taking Care of Biz, huh? Yep. Yeah. You got a good one? I, I think so. <laughs> Chef Peng Feng of Guangdong province in China. That, listen, the intro seems like it's taking care of fucking biz. It's the most white that anyone can possibly say any of those words. I know. Well, that I just did. What are you going to do? So this amazing chef in China sliced off the head of a spitting cobra. Ah, taking care of biz. Yeah, he was dicing him up for a soup. Dicing up his body. Right? Spitting cobra soup. Yeah, he, he chopped off the head, was dicing up the body for a soup, and then 20 minutes later, he picked up the head and was mm. going to throw it in the trash. Right. And that cobra bit him. The cobra, the the beheaded cobra yep. bit the chef. Yep. The still-functioning detached head 20 minutes later chomped down on his hand and killed him. So... I guess it's a double taking care of biz that he took care of biz on the snake and then the snake post-mortem took care of fucking biz and killed the chef. Yeah, no, that chef did not take care of biz because that <laughs> snake was still alive. That snake took care of biz. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Has there been any, at any point in that article or have you heard any any talk of the irony that this guy's last name was Fang and he... <laughs> Was killed by a dead snake? No, no. But so he died before the anti-venom could be provided. And apparently people heard screams com coming from the kitchen. I cannot imagine. I'm sure it was very traumatic. And uh, an expert says that it's perfectly possible that the head remained alive because reptiles can usually function for up to an hour even after being decapitated because they are complete freaks of nature. Yeah. Well, I have had experience with rattlesnakes having grown up in northern Idaho, and they always say you bury the head of the snake because yeah. if your dog gets to it, it'll get bit, you know. Well, usually when we were kids, and I don't know if there's any veracity to this statement at all, but they would say that bees would get the venom and then they would sting you and then you would get the venom. But I don't know if there's any truth to that. But for sure, a snake will continue to bite and be able to envenomate someone after... It's just a head. Yeah, and it's a reflexive action. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's like after you cut, uh, kill a, an octopus, chop it up, it, its little tentacles still wriggle and, and worm. So, yeah. it's electrical impulses in the muscular system that still control the dirty, filthy, spitting cobra. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Taking, Taking care of biz. Care of biz. Nice. That is awesome. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up there. On a on a positive note. The good thing is that it's not 125 degrees in here right now. That is the good thing. You know, battening down the hatches so there it's silent is oftentimes a two-edged sword. Yes, that is true. So we're going to wrap it up with that. Listen, everybody, if you would like to support this show and you've already gone out and rated and reviewed us on iTunes, which I would implore you to do because it pushes us into that new and noteworthy section, which helps us out because more people get exposed to the show um, because otherwise we have to beg you to tell your friends and, you know, I don't really want to do that. So rate and review the show on iTunes. That would be super helpful. If you listen on Stitcher, obviously you can rate and review there. But the other way to support the show would be dollamore.com the Amazon link on dollamore.com. We actually 
just got our first little check from the things that have been purchased a couple months ago, and we cannot thank you enough for all that you've done to support the show. Um, this is a labor of love for the most part, and it, it is a full-time job. And we, uh, we greatly appreciate all the support that you give us. If you'd like to buy a book, or if you'd like to buy a book on snake bites, that is where you do it. Every little bit goes a long way. We appreciate you for listening. This has been episode 51. Episode 51. And you've been with us most of the way. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And this has been I Doubt It.